welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, Jamie Schleicher. With me is Seth. It's me. I'm the problem whistleway. Seth, how's it going? It's going all right. I'm here once again, and I'm horny for hot takes. And we also have our distinguished guest, Commissioner Emeritus, Travis Bakel. Travis, welcome back to the pod. Oh, man. So good to be here. Thank you, guys. It's it's always great to get Travis on the pod. I think the last time we had you, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So mm. the fact that you're making time out of your busy schedule without the Chiefs reaching that pinnacle means a lot yes. to us. But it's it's great to have you here. I mean, they're, I, I think, consensus top two team in the league right now. So it's not... It's not impossible for them to get there. How are you feeling about the Chiefs? Oh, man. Uh, I'm feeling good about the Chiefs right now. My confidence level is probably a 8 out of 10. Um, we bounced back. You know, the I, I think it's pretty much a given that at least once a year we're going to have something like what we put up against Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. Just a, a big, you know, big booyah bass crackle ping click crunch fizz pop woo splash you know um and Preach. other than that it's been a really good year um and uh excited to see Mikol come around a little bit excited to, to see isaiah pacheco get a little bit of run with the ones uh excited to see frank clark get some sacks which is kind of nice so we're we're cruising did you see the news today two game suspension for clark I did. I did. And I immediately looked to see who we were playing. And, you know, at least it's not, you know, the, the top tier teams. But like I said, we always generally we put up our stinker games when we're in prime time. Uh, but we're willing to, we're, we're typically would do one or two of those a year. So do you think uh, the Chiefs are going to land Odell? Beckham Jr.? The latest on him is maybe not until mid-December. Are they going to? sign him and ride him through the playoffs? Is that even a thing, given how much Mahomes spreads it around, and will it matter? Yeah, probably not. I, I don't, I'm not thinking so now. I thought I did think when when he was maybe coming back around the time of this week and maybe the, the bye week, he could get up to speed a little bit and then get some run. Um, I don't think they're going to spend any money on him, but they do need to make a move, and they did reassign some of Kelsey's uh, salary into a, a bonus, so... So they're clearing, they're clearing cap room or something. Fascinating. Um, maybe Cam Akers. I'd rather have a, a defensive end or something. But yeah. I think you got enough viable running backs. And who knows what his philosophy is as far as playing with Andy Reid. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to side with Andy Reid's philosophy any day. That's right. I don't know if you saw it, but in the random – I guess almost weekly polls I put out about who the league thinks is going to win the Super Bowl. Consistently through the first six weeks, it was overwhelmingly the Bills. Like we get about 70% participation and outside of Matt picking other because probably the Packers and Jamie here with the Cowboys in the past couple weeks. But this week, uh, Bills got a couple, Cowboys got a couple. And Chiefs got a couple, including me. I, there's just something that I think, you know, it's the regular season. They're battle tested, mm-hmm. and there's something like so smart about Andy Reid that when they meet the Bills again, I think yeah. they're going to have it figured out. And it's it's scary. I I think yeah. 
the Giants are obviously the surprise of the season, and I'll ride that as long as we can. Um, and, you know, four fourth-quarter comebacks, something magic is going on. But I will say that Dallas and D would be interesting to go up against your chief mm. offense in the Super Bowl, barring some kind of yeah. giant miracle. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, you know, the um, the X factor here is just my like inside scoop as a fan is I was listening to Colin Coward this morning and he had his, uh, you know, his hierarchy, his herd hierarchy, his top 10 teams, and he put the Bills at one and the Chiefs at two. And, and his reasoning was basically the Chiefs secondary is a possible liability. They, they'll allow other quarterbacks to put up a ton of yardage or points and um you know if you're going to get someone like josh allen then they can really make you pay uh the the one x factor here is that we have really had almost no games with our first pick from the most recent draft uh who is our starting quarterback trent mcduffie um who was having a really strong preseason kind of like lockdown corner status uh until he got hurt and so if he can come back and and return to form then you know, I'm, I'm feeling really good about our chances. Huge. Well, that'll keep you going through what I understand is a interminable uh, rainy season in the Willamette Valley. Is that right? Oh, my goodness, man. So for those of you who don't know, um, I live in a, a, a weird ecosystem uh, and basically experience four months of beautiful, sunny, dry weather uh, with no rainy days, uh, and then eight months of continual rain and cloud cover. Uh, and there's no middle period. There's no back and forth. It's really just one or the other. So uh, the first day of rain was two days ago. And if you look at the seven-day forecast or 10-day forecast, it's rain all the way out. And uh, so we're, we're gearing up for it. And that's like 24-7? Uh yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it'll sprinkle. I mean, it's it's like it's not raining right now, but I went on a run 30 minutes ago and it rained on me. Um, and there's you can't see the sun. There's clouds everywhere. So that's pretty much what it's like. Dang. Well, is the song Midnight Rain on Taylor Swift's new album about living uh, where you are? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's certainly not snow on the beach, although I really would enjoy that. <laughs> Rain. He wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain. <laughs> this is poetry. Probably uh, would have been written by Matt's younger brother if uh, she hadn't gotten to it first. Well, on that note. On that note. <laughs> Jamie's just smirking. <laughs> Always smirking. Constantly smirking. Is this is this where we transition into to tea baby, Swift? That's Beautiful what baby. the people are here for. Uh, Sexy babies? I... <laughs> I would say that this is probably the most active that the group me has gotten all year. There was a palpable excitement when the uh, Thursday night football game had had some teasing of the Midnight album. And I think it came out that everybody in the league is a, a certified Swifty. Travis kind of seeming like one of the foremost. And then Seth, we discovered, uh, pre-ordered... I, I want to get the, the full description right. So <laughs> blue vinyl, what what was the yes, put out edition that you, you ordered? special collector's editions. <laughs> I think mine's the Midnight Blue Marbled. Uh, 
ordered it two months ago around draft day. So it really has set set expectations for a while. I think Brian uh, stood up and said he said the album got him through Friday. Um, she's got things to say, and I've got ears to listen. So this is a story that I don't know, maybe won't surprise any of you. When I when I started listening to T Swift, it was a little bit like a little bit ironic and a little bit like, oh, this is a thing younger people like. And so I'm just going to sort of act like I like her. But then, um, you know, then Ryan Adams, you know, covered her album and like kind of showed her a lot of clout, you know, like as a songwriter and uh, you know, came to increasingly appreciate her as a as an actual songwriter and then get behind her and her, you know, uh, you know, the all of the tintinabulation between her and Scooter Braun and um, the the re-recording of all of her albums. And that was really fun. Anyway, so that's how I came into liking and enjoying Taylor Swift as a songwriter. Um, but like I said, at the beginning, it was kind of ironic. Um, I thought I was kind of being a little bit edgy or whatever. Um, I uh, congratulated all of my students this past week or, or wished them a happy Taylor Swift day uh, when the album came out. Um, to a number of sort of uh, chuckles and eye rolls, uh, and then, and then one one student who's she said something like this a couple times during the year, sort of like saying like, oh, like you just you're so paternal, you're so fatherly, and she's like, you just remind me of my dad, and she keeps on saying this, and then when I said like Happy Taylor Swift Day to those who celebrate, she says, Are you my dad? Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> so. You know, we have we have dad bods, uh, you know, but we also have dad tastes, uh, apparently, because that is the uh, the 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 vibe I'm getting from my students is who's into T-Swift these days or the dads. That's really funny. Did you tell her about the dad bod league? No, she's she hasn't learned about the dad bod league. No, that's right. That stays mm-hmm. here. That's really funny. I think mine was similar. I used to make like a seasonal mix CD uh, kind of rooted in what was telling the story of my family. And when 1989 came out, there was going to be a special Christmas trip to New York. And I was just Googling and like, I knew the name, I knew who she was. I think I thought of it as Nashville or country, which I listened to less of. Um, And so I put on welcome to New York and my kid just like loved it. They were maybe five at the time. And so then the whole album was like, Oh, this is catchy as hell. Uh, and so it's like good jump around, dance around music, then Ryan Adams mm-hmm. covered. And since then, yeah, the critical acclaim that's accrued around her pandemic offerings, folklore and evermore, like I'm the one listening to it. Now it becomes that ironic thing where I told my kid, who's now 12 and a half, oh, it's new Taylor Swift album. They're like, oh, okay. And they're like listening <laughs> I haven't heard of like they have taste. They're definitely in the seventh grade thing, though. To be fair, this was a proud fatherly moment. What we grew up with at that time is now like what they're what's I guess cool and being discovered again. And my kid literally the other day because they have a little dumb phone that can just Mm -hmm. like text and have music on it. And they go, Dad, do you have any Nirvana on your computer? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, do I? Um, I was like, and I think I'll put that on for you. Like what was so like 
transgressive and like cool. <laughs> and that's awesome. I was their age, and I was like, "What's your favorite song?" That's hilarious. It reminds me of I, you know, you see these music videos. We don't. I don't even know if they really do music videos anymore. But you see these music videos from this era of like MTV. Um, brings back such nostalgia, and they get oh, flowing around on Twitter sometimes, and and you get all like the young people reacting to it. Uh, and and the one that I laughed at recently was Alien Ant Farm, <laughs> uh, oh. the, like the cover of Michael Jackson. Yeah, and people were just going absolutely apeshit over it, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's right. Uh, but it was, it was a funny moment. Yeah, like before there were memes, before their Twitter. Now all that stuff is getting like second life. It's. It's really funny, but yeah, it's also funny to be like, I can't keep up with what's cool. And now like 32 year old Taylor Swift is not cool, I guess. Like <laughs> I discovered Billie Eilish through my kid like a few years ago and then had to be like, I don't know if we're ready to listen to all of this. And then now to be cool, I have to be like, okay, you can listen to this. <laughs> the sands of time are sinking, my friends. So much, oh man. Two things there. One, so Travis, are you saying that you haven't seen the anti-hero music video? Because Taylor directed her own music video, so they still exist. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw about twenty seconds of it, so I haven't I haven't watched the whole thing. Um, I, I was thinking about anti-hero, and was I had a question for you guys. I wonder, do you think that Taylor Swift is a big G.K. Chesterton fan? Um, because are you aware of this, uh, this famous letter that G.K. Chesterton wrote? Um, this, it's really great. So apparently the, the newspapers in England, um, and I haven't read anybody like talking about this, so I, I wonder if, it's, if I'm just making it up. But the newspapers in England at the time ran this series, which was like, what is the problem with the world? And people would like write in these op-eds and explain all the things that they thought would be you know, causing all the issues in the world at the time. And G.K. Chesterton wrote this famous letter, and it, it just goes like this. It says, Dear Sir, I am. Sincerely, G.K. Uh, and it's a sort of, you know, I am the problem with the world is, you know, as much inside of me as it is inside of anyone else or out there in the world. Um, and um, I was thinking about that with the, uh, the hook to Antihero. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. That's funny. Wow. Deep thoughts. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Resident doctor of philosophy. I always love when Travis gets on and, and ed educates us, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if she is, if Chesterton was an influence here. Um, some of the other songs on this album also pull in religious imagery and things like that. Could have, would have, should have is another one um, that, that hits those themes. So and her her new bow is also British, so maybe this is you know part of that mm. relationship um, has gotten her out of the pure breakup song song mold that uh, resonated with so many of us. I guess I'm the sexy baby of the group as well because I just grew up with Taylor Swift, <laughs> uh, you know, same age and had the country origins, then the the pop phase, and you know, just kind of like casually listened to the pop songs as they came on because like that that was what was on um but i've really come to appreciate like folklore loved that album yeah. um and yeah gen genuine fan now as well but i never had to do it to connect with the youths um because i was <laughs> i was just growing up with it and I, I think you guys talking about that transition to it like no longer being the cool 
young thing is just the confirmation that that I am also getting old. So those sands of time. I think the thing about Taylor is that she's always subverting expectations. Some probably foregrounded by like the porcelain image, but like that documentary Americana made like some year end lists. And then I think we pay attention to like who agrees to like guest with her, like from Kendrick Lamar to Phoebe Bridgers, to Lana Del Rey, right? Like those who are quote unquote considered more serious artists. And yeah, you gotta, you gotta sit up and pay attention. So for all those with uh, four or five and six year olds out there, be a cool dad for a few years and uh, start spinning it. <laughs> Love it. Um, what what were your thoughts about this this latest album though? Fan, not a fan? Is it one that you think you have to listen to a few more times and it'll grow on you over time? Where where are you at? Yeah, I've been having trouble getting time to listen to it all all at once, you know, um, as an album. Uh, I've kind of dipped into a bunch of the songs and um, yeah, Antihero is super like poppy and, um, you know, fun to listen to. I, I like the, the vibe of the album. It's sort of like a little synth pop. Um, reminds me a little bit of 1989 as well. Uh, some of those songs. Uh, but the, the hardest thing about this album, honestly, is is when I don't falter for it, but the explicit lyrics make it hard for me to like blast it around the house uh, with my, my little ones. So I've, I've kind of had to be a little bit more judicious with my listening. Yeah. yeah throw the, the AirPods on. That's what's also ironic about it. I, I've only had it on in the background. I agree with Travis's assessment. Like it's, I think it'll grow kind of like folklore and evermore just as good listening. Um, so I put it on, I was like, hey, this is a new Taylor after picking up my kid from Circus uh, <laughs> yesterday. And like, yeah, there's like an F-bomb right there in the first song. And and my kid goes, Taylor? Like everything. Like, Whoa. I was like, yeah, she's got a potty mouth on this one. Um, I mean, we talk openly about like profanity and its uses. But yeah, it was almost like my, my, my kid was uh, almost disappointed in her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't, don't play grown up <laughs> anyway well this has been a good like the dinosaur segment and others of previous mm -hmm. episodes a good way to separate wheat from chaff and the true loyal listeners we put the patreon content up front this year <laughs> one one final question for travis on this um i think it's in mastermind she works in a machiavelli reference did you did you have any thoughts about that one no read it to me what's the i haven't i don't know if i've listened to that song yet uh it's like the last one uh, right? unless you have the 3 a.m edition right yeah she she released the 3 a.m edition like almost immediately uh okay here's the line and i swear i'm only cryptic and machiavellian because i care oh but you know she's doing mm-hmm the vocal thing that she does so it, it probably sounded yeah. I think sounds better congressman than, than i did there. a lyric too didn't she like i was she like did yeah i just have like mad respect for just polysyllabic things wow. which I, I i feel like was very prevalent on this this album uh she's done it before like it it's part of songs that she's written but it felt more consistent with this this album 
No thoughts on Machiavelli right here. Yeah. Sorry. Fair enough. But that does transition us into, you know, anytime we can get a philosophy professor on the pod, want to ask some philosophical questions. Yeah. Mastermind. Yeah. (laughs) Mastermind. Set this all up from the beginning for all of us to be in the same room at the same time. But, you know, it's not too many times that the NFL just like hands us a philosophical question on a plate, but rumors out of Los Angeles, Cam Akers, who was on your team at one point in time and then dropped after, after trading for him, Cam Akers, philosophical differences with Sean McVay. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts there? You broke it down a little bit in the group, May. Um, yeah. yeah, so we should listen to that again. And then the fact that like we're going to keep this internal – this real soul work going mm. on over there in the Los Angeles uh, Rams mm. defending champions. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't even I didn't even see that that second part of the the equation because my my first thought was you know I'm teaching ethics right now uh, to all these college students as they're going through their gen ed requirements and uh, you know so so top of my mind was sort of ethical theory and. Just thought, well, maybe they, maybe just, you know, one of them is a dyed in the wool uh, utilitarian and the other one is a committed deontologist. And they, you know, they basically, they've been talking about the trolley car problem, uh, you know, day in and day out. And, you know, what do you do if you're sort of on a trolley car and it's headed to down a track that's about to run over five people? You could switch the trolley to another track. We're going to kill one unsuspecting person do you switch the track, you know? Uh, and my general sense was that Cam Akers was willing to switch the track. Sean McVay was not. Uh, so, you know, that can be a, that can be a deal breaker. Um, you know, friendships ending over that and, uh, you know, war started and that sort of thing. But, but if you, if they're keeping it internal, maybe it's something a little more personal. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe Cam Akers been reading some existentialism uh, and he's starting to think a little bit about his mortality uh, and, uh, his sort of finitude and uh, how he ought to relate to it. And, and um, you know, it's possible that he's been reading some Heidegger and he's sort of deciding that uh, he no longer wants to live an inauthentic existence and he just wants to sort of embrace his own most possibility of death and, and instead of running away from it, begin to, to run up toward it and, and uh, live an authentic existence. And, you know, my sense is that Sean McVay, maybe he's a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit more uh, Kierkegaardian. Maybe he doesn't think you ought to sort of run up against, you know, your your mortality, but you need to take the leap of faith. Uh, and that's your sort of path to living an authentic existence. So it's possible they're sort of arguing about that. Mm. You know, it's, it's unclear because they're keeping it so tight-lipped. Um, just sort of going off of their general vibe. Here. Yeah, that tracks with, uh, you know, after game one of the season when it was a surprise to everyone that Daryl Henderson carried the mail predominantly. And afterwards, and like fantasy managers, everyone freaked out. And McVeigh said something along the lines of like, uh, we're not seeing that urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, urgency. Yeah, earnestness. It also brings to mind, like, you just hope that uh, the track that Cam is looking at isn't the one of Antonio Brown, who also had a lot of uh, existential angst, uh, we'll gently say. Yeah, Uh, well, I think he's I think he's decided to um, whether willingly or 
unwillingly via CTE. I think he's decided to live in the absurd for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and um, so we'll see how that works for old Antonio. But um, yeah, yeah, not in a good place. No. He tweets about Tom Brady at least once a week. And it's <laughs> it's entertaining. Dude, it is. Man, talk about auto defenestration. I was, that was, I was just thinking that. I was like, as long as these guys aren't throwing themselves out windows, what is he saying about Gaunt Tom? You, you got to go to Twitter. I, I can't do a full recap here. And as, it's dirty, man. It's, it's yeah. he's like he's like posting cartoons of uh, Giselle saying goodbye to Tom with like Antonio Brown like in the window of the house oh, and like suggesting that he's got a thing going on with Giselle. It's just really like weird. There's a lot of sluttery on the timeline. Mm-hmm. Total jabroni. Yeah, we're, we're we're trying to keep this a kid friendly show. That's why we. All right, haven't played all the Taylor songs. And yeah. We're not getting too deep on Antonio Brown's Twitter timeline. Real jabroni move. Um, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, Tom doesn't look well. No. I, no, I, I, yeah. I put out some late night jokes, which I think, you know, as a rather wealthy man with, big powerful connections he can take but holy cow <laughs> he does look like matt damon in courage under fire uh, skeletor yeah Don't where do where would you rank courage under fire in the recommended movies list between uh the other movies being john wick one and marcel the shell with shoes on courage under fire is solid I mean, I'd have to put it number three of those, um, but great character study. A lot of uh, well-known actors putting forth good, hungry work um, and some serious ethical conundrums. Y'all seen it? Y'all remember it? No, I haven't seen it. This is another, was, was it before 1990? It was, uh, it was like 1996. Another old, old reference. And not to take us down too much of a rabbit hole, but... The Denzel Washington uh, struggles with drinking because uh, he had a friendly fire incident, like where he saved a bunch of lives after maybe accidentally uh, killing another life and like made a dangerous choice to like turn all the tank lights on. Then he's looking into this medal of courage or something um, recommendation uh, post-mortem for Meg Ryan's character. I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, and then the ethical choices to like, do you follow the leader or not? And uh, it chews up people inside, including Matt Damon, uh, who who turns to chase the dragon instead of dealing with his demons. Hmm. Uh, it's really good. Uh, yeah, really, really good. It, I think it it got great reviews when it came out, but then a couple people pointed out like more people probably aren't seeing this because it's got a title like a lifetime you know afternoon movie <laughs> courage under fire like anyway uh so that's this week's movie recommendation yeah it sounds like a little bit more of a bummer than marcel the shell but right. it ends up uplifting i won't give anything else away in a way hard hard fought victories we do have a couple more philosophical ethical questions for travis 
going to dive into the ethical realm here. We did find out, I think, six of the ten league members are back in Charlottesville now, which is incredible, because um, kind of thought we were all over the globe. But the three of us are Mountain Time, Pacific Time, and that does introduce some challenges when it comes to fantasy football. We've got these 7 a.m., 6 a.m. London games that are coming on board. I know the 1 o'clock games on the East Coast are hitting like right in the middle of the church. And sometimes I've got my lineup set. Everything's good. Not really expecting any anybody to, to be a, a borderline game time decision. But other times you got three red question marks in your lineup. And what are the ethical ramifications of me doing that quick glance in church, doing the final lineup set, like right in the middle of the sermon? Any mm-hmm. any thoughts on that? And is this something that, that <clears throat> you guys have run into as well? I know Seth has like set his lineup during his sermon sometimes. This is, you know, the challenge of being being the, the minister in the situation. I don't I'm just part of the flock. Um, but curious how how you guys handle this. Well, long and short of it, Jamie, is you're going to hell. <laughs> okay. All right. That's this is good information. There's clarity and time time to repent. So. Yeah, speaking of auto defenestration, uh, the path to hell is hard by roster choices in the pews. Well, let me just say, I mean, let me just give you, um, you know, at least a little bit of, on the other, on the other hand. Um, yeah, are there any yeah. other philosophical points of view on this matter? Is it? Yes. Well, I, I'll just say <laughs> this. Yeah, good, good for you for being there. You know, I mean, who among us on the West Coast, if not... Uh, called in sick for church one day to watch the Chiefs play a 10 a.m. game. Uh, right in, right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that that does happen from time to time. Uh, so you you call in sick to church? <laughs> You're like the uh, on the line. It's a yeah, very, just, very intense RSVP situation at Travis's. I so to clarify just one thing because it sounds like I did maybe spill this on uh, last year's pod or before, or I guess it was the pandemic. So this would have had to have been a couple of years ago. Oh, the pandemic was great. Uh, Cause I had uploaded my service recording like Friday night. I, what is it? The pulpit area, the chancel area, when I'd be like sitting up there waiting for the service to start, I definitely strategically made it look like I was making sure my phone was off a few times. Um, you know, while the prelude music is going <laughs> and uh, just to double check because the service started at 10, which was game time. And then it's Arizona does its own weird thing, which made it extra hard, which is when the rest of the country falls back, we just stay on the same time zone. So we're about to be two. We're about to be essentially mountain time, move from Pacific to mountain. And boy, that was hard running the gauntlet of old lady hugs and, you know, people needing stuff. And I'm like, I got to get home and watch the game. <laughs> Uh, but I'm like, well, they're the ones paying for the YouTube TV. Now I, as our unemployed, unpaid intern, I'm uh, stringing a lot of churches along so I can just keep watching. Uh, I go for a nice <laughs> dog walk. I take in the mountains. I take a nature bath with God. Uh, and, and then by 10 AM, I'm just set up and watching, having done my, done my righteous sabbath duties for myself um 
So I don't know what to say about checking in church, but you know, here's, here's the other thing from, from my side is um, when I am in church uh, during the games, um, the culture at the, the church we've been attending now is, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of reading the Bible, a lot of moving from spot to spot, but no pew Bibles or anything like that. So it's like, you know, pull out your Bibles or your phones. So I've got the, you know, the phone out to read my, you know, uh, I use the Blue Letter Bible app, um, for those of you who know about it, um, to, to follow along. But it's it's pretty easy to just sort of like check the score while I'm also checking what John 6 says. Um, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a temptation. But I, but I'll say this, you know, my my general view on on ethics and Christian ethics is that it's um we should be less concerned about breaking the rules and more concerned about what sort of person we're becoming. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's probably something to consider uh, on that line when it comes to uh, checking your phone in church and the way fantasy football might be shaping you and your desires and your loves and your imagination for what, you know, the, uh, the good life involves. Um, but outside of that, I don't think you're actually, you know, making God very upset by checking your lineup. On that, we definitely agree. I'll say this, this is like kind of a sidebar, but I haven't been getting at least, you know, in our, whatever you call it, the region, the zones of like who plays what games, like the best games I feel like in the, that I really want to see or that have my fantasy players. And I find myself after like an hour, I haven't had too many difficult lineup decisions to make like moment of like, oh, is so-and-so going to be active? Because I just am so deep. Uh, but it's also been pretty clear. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's nice. I haven't experienced this in a while as an unemployed pastor. Um, but to like be like, I'm going to look forward to watching, you know, the second half of the day. And like, you know, you pull out your phone, you're like, you got three touchdown alerts and everything. I don't experience that. Not just because my team hasn't been scoring many, <laughs> but uh, it's like, I know before Yahoo gives me the alert. And so sometimes it's nice to live in faith and, and be a little superstitious and be like, yeah, I'm going to pull it out. And it's just going to be like, Jared Goff to DeAndre Swift like three times for 54-yard touchdowns. I don't know. This is a persnickety venture we're all on. Indeed. And it's been a wild venture. It's been a wild adventure. Travis, you were there all the way back in episode one of the Dad Bod Pod. Mm. Circa 2000. 18 is that right was that was that the post the, the post the draft was that when we like live streamed the poker after uh the draft? this this was before that i believe episode one was okay. just with you that yeah. i think that was like episode two or three um no, but just sitting... right. it was 2018 i was in the denver airport and it dropped and i was just like falling down laughing at how niche niche and uh particular this was i think y'all were digging on me that might have been like saquon's first year or something and uh yeah this is the year culture flew almost too close to the sun indeed (laughs) then we had multiple reboots (laughs) but the the pod has lived 
into five seasons. We've recorded over 2,000 plays. Is that in itself definitive proof that we are living in a simulation? Or how mm -hmm. else can we explain this phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I like to say um, we live betwixt two worlds and it's not entirely clear which one is real. It, it is, it is, um, you know, it, it is puzzling this whole new media environment. Um, and, you know, honestly, 2000 feels like a lot and, you know, is a lot, except that like, man, how many like, plays does like a YouTube stars video get on any particular day. And it, and it's a little bit hard for me not to get sort of depressed about um, how many times, like not just podcasts, but like YouTube videos get played. They must just be on constantly in the background of like certain people's yes. existence. Thank you. That's, you said a couple things that if you have a few more minutes with us, I'd love to unpack that also can like dovetail into fantasy football, but yeah. Yeah. Number one is gosh, where to start. Yeah. The media landscape has, I mean, it, it ties into everything we've been talking about philosophically, ethically, cam acres existentially and more, which is, are we at a saturation point of like, unless you documented that it really happened and that that vacancy internally that can happen when all this stuff is being developed as Bo Burnham, another topic that's come up on the pod mm. points out is it's like, we know like neuroscientists tell us like the app develop, developers are specifically trying to, you know, tweak our little uh, chemicals in our brain, like to preemptively it is kind of like the matrix, like, like mm -hmm. here's the stimuli you need to basically go down a rabbit hole to just vacancy. And, and I, Saturday night live actually uh, included this in their opening joke sketch a couple weeks ago where they mentioned like 86% of like young folks, like teenagers and into the twenties, like want to be quote unquote influencers uh, when they grow up, which to me, I heard that and like my nose started bleeding too. And I Googled it. And this is like a real like survey that came out a few years ago. Like they were citing something real. The data was a little bit more nuanced than just that 86%, like their top job, but regardless, it's enough to give you an aneurysm. Um, and it made me think, cause that to me is like a thing out of no thing. Like, you know, if we're going to talk about scripture in the Bible, like a lot of people have the false impression that creation was made ex nihilo out of nothing. But as we know, or at least we learned together at Princeton that one time, like <laughs> there's the formless and void, there's the deep, there's the rolling. And so like, yeah, this, this psychological uh, air that is just being built on top of more air is a lot. It's funny, like podcasts, there's some great stuff out there, I know, but like, I just, I think it's my personality type. I always have to be like doing something like this is the only podcast I listen to because it's like the realness is the connection and same with the family mm -hmm. football. I, to end this monologue, I think I've mentioned it briefly on a previous pod, but when doing some intern research, I found like, I think Trav, your 
starter email to the second year of the league or maybe the third year like hey the reason we're doing this to begin with is camaraderie and fellowship and food and fun and like the yahoo app is just uh, a justification and so Mm -hmm. i know like then it becomes tricky because i hear myself talking now i'm like oh god i'm over 40 and now i'm that like back in my day like we we played outside and played two hand touch football all day. And like, and now I'm like telling my kid, like, are you done texting? Um, like, I just like hate that they have a phone. I hate it. So, all right, enough of like my old man rant. Uh, but you just brought up <laughs> a lot. And yeah. I think our 2000 plays count more than any number of trillion ASMR videos that people are falling asleep to because they can't do anything else anymore or whatever it is people are doing. Actually, I, I, I won't knock ASMR. That's like a legit can be a legit meditation. Well, I'll say this, the, I, I've read somewhere that, um, elder millennials and I don't know if you're an elder millennial or an exennial. Or... I, I fall into like geriatric millennial. I'm at the yeah. top born at the end of 80. We are the, the most suspicious of uh, new media technologies of any, um, of any generation currently alive. Uh, I think partly because of how like the age we were when things were coming online from like AIM to the iPhone basically um and being able to see the difference between before and after in a certain way but then also be like close enough to actually understand it whereas the boomers are maybe not um yes. and so uh, i'm right there right there with you with most of the intuitions and um you know we could have a long 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 talk about about that um yeah i'm so skeptical and it's not to say i don't enjoy stuff like i love my like TV speaker system, but I do love my physical media and it's wild how much, you know, my, my dad's addicted to Facebook. He's like, I got to get off this thing. It drives me crazy. And then like two seconds later, he's just scrolling like crazy. And I'm like, I deactivated. I'm, I'm off all that. Or, or gosh, like the amount of scams that I had to deal with from my elderly congregants, um, mm. that I'm just, never click on anything you don't know. Like, why is this like, this is the hardest thing. I'm never going to ask you for $300 in Walmart gift cards. Like that's mm-hmm. a scam email. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's because we had to like cut our teeth maybe in some way. Um, I don't know. Or maybe it's because the apocalypse is coming and it's like, I'm going to want my burn CDs for the road trip to Canada. Who knows? <laughs> if you can find a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> I've literally returned to, I can't believe they don't make cars with CD players. I returned a rental car one time for one that had a CD player. I was like, I'm sorry. I made a special mix for this uh, trip in California. And they were like, like, yeah, we got this one for you with 15 miles. It's got nothing on. I'm like, do you have anything older? Two stories. Uh, Oh, man. Jamie, was that what you were hoping for with that segment? It was. I think, you wanted, I, I think you wanted a little bit more celebration, which I will say this. Uh, the pod has been a um, it, it has added um, utility and joy to my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm a pod booster. And um, I do think 
podcasts are actually the best of all possible new medias. Um, I, I'm a, a podcast fan, actually. Sweet. I agree. And I know five years ago when we started this with you and Matt at our kitchen table, did not did not anticipate this. And it's fun that five years later, we're, we're still getting to fulfill the idea and the vision behind that and getting to connect like that SNL skit about sons and fathers having to set up a podcast to have a real conversation, <laughs> totally fulfilling that vision. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun and yeah, looking forward to the next five years. I'm laughing because the year we flew too close to the sun, we, I think episode 13 was with you and me, Jamie, with my dad. And that was like <laughs> the most personal conversation I had with him. Like, he's just like pouring out his life story. I was like, dad, this is going on in the internet, you know? Um, so I like, I think I said three words that entire interview or that episode. And I was like, oh, I, I really should have just let Seth and his dad have this moment. But I was glad I could be there to, to help you both open up. If we had kept going, he might have told me he loved me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go get back. ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go back and listen to the episode. He might have might have slipped it in there. Uh, like a cockle. Mm-hmm. I don't think I use that right. <laughs> Now you have to put the E on this episode. <laughs> How does one use a cockle? Uh, carefully. 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 Um, they probably have those on the Oregon coast, don't they? Like, like those bivalves, those clams and stuff. Can you collect? Them? Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> thinking it was a boat. <laughs> If we're talking about clams, we we did we we uh, at Whidbey Island last time we went there we we um, dug up the gooey ducks. Have you ever seen gooey ducks before? No. Uh, they're these giant giant phallic clams um, that you can um, when you walk over them they squirt out water out of the oh, sand yeah. at you. Uh, but if you can dig them up, they they make a yummy uh, sort of. It's kind of like a. Um, uh, what's the, like squid like a like a squid what's that squid dish calamari why am i blanking it's like a calamari you can make mm. with it it's pretty yummy but it's like a cockle that looks like a cockle is what you're saying yeah exactly All right. um, this has gotten last time i was on whidbey island was 10 years ago but hmm. be- beautiful place yeah it is um trev unless i'm mistaken you're pressed for time but i'll keep pressing you uh, All right. fantasy football. How do you feel about? Oh yeah. How do you feel about your own team this year? I, if you've kept up with the pods, we've alternatively lauded but mostly slandered everyone's teams this year. Yeah. Uh, you've shown a lot of strength, though. I think as of this recording, you are you would be playoff bound if it started today with a losing record. Um, maybe a testament to parity, but. You've just had some unlucky breaks is probably the way to put it. You played some high point players while putting up most of your own. I think if we've ragged on anything, Jamie, we've ragged on bench strength. I think, I think it was RB 
running backs spot for him. It, it was the running backs. I, I feel like you made the same mistake in the draft this year I did last year. Of it wasn't the plan, and you just kind of ended up with some players, and then missed out on a few running backs, and then all of a sudden you're like, I I don't like this situation that I'm in. But everything else is like Death Star scary. Yeah, Josh Allen covers a multitude of sins. As does yeah, Travis Kelsey. Who else has done anything? Oh, right, and Cooper Cup. That's what we said. He was like, you got three players who are going to put up like 90 alone each week, and so you just have to like get 20. Warm bodies out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, I mean, I think all that's accurate. I think um, the thing with running backs is it's just so hard to know which ones are going to be good. Um, and, you know, I um, didn't make a play for – any of the ones that really turned out to be good. Um, I I knew which one would um, be good. I knew. Did you? Yeah, well, <laughs> Sa- Saquon or Bust. Um, <laughs> but, Sorry, keep going. you know, uh, I'm feeling okay. I'm actually feeling – one thing that I've done a lot this season is um, check my desire to um, – log on to the group me just to bitch and moan about getting bad luck, uh, basically. Um, and I've, I've gone on there a few times and sort of started to type something up and been like, look, I don't want everybody else doing this all the time. Although I don't care what other people put, but it's like, you know, uh, this week I was sort of an 87% favorite to win, uh, in Sunday night into the fourth quarter. And then Kenneth Walker runs a 75 uh, yard touchdown um, at the very end of the game. And then Damian Harris puts up five yards of offense um, and I lose. Uh, and, you know, that's just the sort of way it's way it's gone for me. Four losses in a row. Um, two of those, I had the second highest score and I played the person with the highest score uh, and like way above the the average. And so I could, you know, easily see myself at, you know, whatever, six and one or wherever we're at. Uh, but that's not where it's at. And so now I get to play Seth without Travis Kelsey. And Seth, I don't know if you have anybody on a bye this week. Uh, it doesn't look like it. And so, you know, another another opportunity to kind of um, put up the second you know, most points in the league. Exactly. Bitch and moan about it. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, if it's meant to be, it, it'll be, um, it, I will say four weeks in a row of, of losing in that way has, um, I've been more stressed out by fantasy football than I'd like to be. Um, things are a lot more fun when you win. Um, but I do continue to think that I am doing a good job with the waiver wire. I'm picking up the right people uh, to, to keep me going. You know, Benjamin had 20 whatever points last week and, you know, I mean, getting the right, uh, the right people. I just don't always play the right people. And um, hopefully beginning this week, we'll start to get a couple balls bouncing my way and yeah. uh, at least make the playoffs. I do think if I make the playoffs then I have a good shot against anybody with those, with those three studs. No, I think that's right. Well, it's not going to start this week, but I do think you are poised well. I mean, Steven, I think, also has some bench issues, and losing Brees Hall is a big one. Eric's got to keep magically winning because his points are low. So I think Michael's team is one that I was afraid of last week and could show up, and then his points are strong enough. 
It's uh, tough. You mentioned something interesting to me about the group me culture. I've noticed the same. I like, I think I gave into it once this weekend where I'm, or t- no, it was a week ago. And I was like, ah, oh, I didn't start Pittman. And I'm like, it's just a specific thing to my team. And like, just like no one else cares. And especially the guy <laughs> playing you. And yeah, there's been more quality over like quantity of that kind of thing. It's more about, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I like, I always like kind of the live, it's like a live Twitter chat. Like if several guys are watching the same game, that feels like kind of really animating. Um, yeah. And yeah. then the different polls and surveys and comments about NFL league culture or our league culture. But yeah, it's like less about, oh, why didn't I start this person? I'm like, that's between you and God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like so-and-so sucked it up. Well, you know, I mean, everybody has points on their bench. They could have had a higher score. And right. it's like we play the hypothetical game. It's it's kind of like pointless at some point. Even though I'm sitting in my, like, on my couch wallowing in self-pity. It does become collectively interesting, you know, as playoffs do approach. And we're like, oh, man, if Trav had only started so-and-so, we would have beat so-and-so by such-and-such. And... And then it becomes kind of a fun yeah. group effort to dump on somebody or celebrate somebody and as we get more into it. But it's it's hard to read the forest for the trees when we're like literally in the middle of the season. And like I won last that time that I didn't start Pittman. So it's again, who cares? And here I am talking on the pod about it. So Zach, edit it out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. The, the thing the last week was I for a moment thought about um, just not even trying. Uh, and cause I didn't want to drop any of my backups and just say like, I had Cooper cup and Josh Allen out. I'm going to lose anyway. Let's not even give it a go. Um, and then I, and I decided like, okay, I can drop somebody. I'll, I'll at least feel the team and being up, uh, you know, on Sunday night with a glimmer of hope, that was the hardest part where it's like, Oh, like, it made me care again, whereas I wouldn't even have cared if I didn't even try. Uh, and that's, you know. Write it off the oh. bye week blues. Hope springs eternal. That being said, the points could end up mattering. Something. All you need is a chip, a chair, and a dream, they say. That's right. That's right. And a chintzy. And a, and a kicker. And a kicker. Ooh, you're hitting my erogenous zones with this kicker talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, friends. I gotta go. Travis, it's been an absolute pleasure. Always, always great to connect. We hope, uh, you know, the pod brings you some sunshine in this rainy season in Oregon. And can't can't see a way the season doesn't turn around for you. Um, you're still like one of my top two most scary teams. So I I think you've got some W's and I think I think they'll be coming soon. Yeah, I think we called on the last pod. Sean and Steven are not going to make the playoffs, and uh, mm. in this case, I mean, it's an honor. It's surreal that we've been crossing paths from coast to coast for 14 years now. Yeah, that's crazy. Seth, long, long, uh, <clears throat> many roads walk together. Yeah, a lot of couches lifted. That's right. Yours and mine. <laughs> yep. All right. I love you, brother. Yeah. You too, man. Good to talk to you guys. Good to be with you. 
at least, you know, digitally. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, shout out to the league. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. Can't wait to beat you this week. Yep. Let's Shut let's keep up. it rolling. It's been an honor to bring all the hip hop happenings betwixt and between our last episode. And hope you're not staring at your phone and falling well. Sexy babies.